Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans. Welcome into the Sox on Tap post game. Oh, happy weekend. Great way to kick it off. I'm Johnny Nani here with Tony Marchese talking about a White Sox sweep today. That pair of seven inning games against the Detroit Tigers. Tony, I got two words to kick it off. Detroit sucks. Detroit sucks. Johnny, happy to be on the mic with you. Happy to kick off the weekend. It is uh, victory beers tonight. A uh, little victory wine for you. Finishing off a glass of wine. Look at you, man. Fancy shit for a fancy White Sox day uh, at the ballpark, man. It, it's just it's just great to be talking about these wins, dude. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I got the wine, like you mentioned here. Uh, I had a little chicken parm for dinner, so nothing goes better with that than a little red wine. Got some cab going. So uh, that's what I'm drinking tonight here. Uh, but either way, it's victorious uh, drinks here. Uh, beer for you, wine for me. Um, White Sox, like I mentioned, win a pair 3-1 to one in the opener of today's doubleheader after last night's rainout, and then a massive beatdown, uh, 11-0 in the finale here tonight. So uh, we got a lot to get to uh, from both of these games. Before we do a little housekeeping, make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter at Socks on Tap and at On Tap Sportsnet. If you enjoy the podcast, go subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. And if you need White Sox merchandise, the place to go is Grandstand. Go and visit them online at GrandstandSocks.com and on social media at Grandstand Socks. So um, now that we've gotten through that, um, Tony, let's jump right in uh, to kind of initial thoughts on the day here. Like I mentioned, Detroit Socks. I think that's a good one uh, to kind of sum it up here. Uh, a little questions uh, running into the first game here, lineup-wise and all that. Uh, I think that's always kind of warranted, uh, always kind of happens unless it's the perfect lineup. Uh, and it still paid off. They, they were able to get the win in this one, three to one, like I mentioned. But uh, let, let's start with Carlos Rodon because he took the bump in game one and looked phenomenal just once again. Yeah, Carlos Rodon, Johnny, is really looking like the the ace of this White Sox staff so far. Um, I don't think anybody can argue with that. I mean, the guy was, uh, you know, one unfortunate hit by pitch away from a perfect game has just been absolutely stellar on the mound so far for the White Sox. It is just awesome to see what he's done. I tweeted it out earlier. Um, what a fucking awesome story that Carlos Rodon is. I mean, I was I was a Carlos Rodon doubter, um, you know, from probably two years ago, Johnny. I mean, this the, the, he has not been able to string anything together um, as far as, you know, impressive starts the way he's done to start this season. And a lot of people wrote him off. I wrote him off. I think you wrote him off. I think a lot of people at ONTAP Sportsnet wrote him off. And here he is just absolutely shoving to start the season, man. It's absolutely fucking incredible to see. 
after the game, you you'd tweeted out and you had said that, um, you know, uh, what Carlos Rodon doing is awesome. You know, kind of the consummation of cool and tough, uh, the sort of the resurgent story. And I'm in that same boat with you where I uh, wrote him off in the offseason. I did. I had some tweets where I had said, uh, you know, it's done. I wouldn't, you know, this is the last straw last year was I wouldn't, you know, go and bring him back. I would go for a more proven option, a guy who hasn't had as much injury history. But hey. <laughs> Guy is proving me wrong from the get-go here. I think him working with Easton Katz has been huge. Uh, obviously, they talked about it on the broadcast, that repeatable delivery, and you see it in the consistency of both his location and the the velocity ticking up a little bit, too. I mean, he's been getting close to touching 100 uh, on a couple of occasions. Obviously, we yep. saw it at the end of the no-hitter when he was ramped up a couple of weeks ago, but uh, even today, uh, there were a couple of them that were you know creeping up there, uh, getting close. So excellent to see. Carlos Rodon uh, has an outstanding day. Six innings pitched, only two hits allowed one run it was earned one walk 12 strikeouts love to see that strikeout total climb uh that is cool and tough for sure uh let's get into a little bit of the scoring though uh excuse me the tigers would go up early in this one uh top of the fourth grossman let off with a single and uh it would eventually be a scoop scope rbi single that brings him in uh to make it 1-0 tigers here uh first time carlos Rodon's given up two hits in an inning kind of feels like uh pretty wild and foreign uh, at this point in the season tony yeah it it does and you know seven inning ball games not my favorite thing johnny you know we've talked about this before um you, you go down a little bit early in the in the uh the carlos Rodon start and you, you don't like seeing that at all. I just had a feeling that the White Sox offense at that point in time wasn't going to be able to get him any support. Um, and the writing kind of felt on the wall early in this one. I don't know how you were feeling, but that's kind of how I felt. I was like, ah, oh, man, this one's going to get away from us. We're going to start to see some of that Tony LaRusso lineup slander, uh, not getting his, his normal guys in there. This is going to be a wasted Carlos Rodon start, even if he only gives up one. I was getting a little anxious there. I don't know about you. So for me, I think kind of the bigger concern, I think, you know, the lineup stuff uh, that that always gets brought up as soon as you go down in a game like that. And, you know, it's like, are we going to have the firepower to be able to come back in this one that I think that's always a thought, no matter what, when you go down, you're just kind of looking for justifications or, you know, worst case scenario in that uh, point, because you still did have some time after that and they would make up for it, which we'll get to. Uh, but I think it was the chances earlier. Uh, that they had in the bottom of the third, you know, Collins leads off of the W feel like, okay, we might be able to get on the board here early, especially after Hamilton sacks him over uh, to third base. And then unfortunately Lurie and Timmy both strike out um, in that uh, sequence to end that threat. And then Detroit scores obviously right after that, because the White Sox threat was in the bottom of the third Tigers in the top of the fourth and they scored their run. Uh, but luckily uh, the White Sox would strike back. And I like doing that immediately, not waiting around. We don't need to walk off here. Bottom of the fifth. Uh, it was, Jake Lamb, uh, who got a start today, leading off with a single Vaughn walk. Collins walked as well. And, uh, you know, kind of taking advantage of Casey Mize losing a little kind of command there of the zone. This is a four-pitch walk uh, for that second one to Collins there. Then Hamilton would ground out to first, but a Miguel Cabrera little bobble. I don't know if they credit him with an error because he still did get uh, the out at first on Hamilton. But either way, that allowed Jake Lamb to score, makes it 1-1 ball game. And Lurie Legend comes through. Wearing the jersey, Tony, you know it. Uh, RBI, two RBI single uh, makes it three to one socks. And that would be all the scoring in this game. Uh, Timmy lined out and, uh, and Eaton struck out to end that inning. But hey, good to see Lori Legend come through, especially after all the heat that he has rightfully gotten up until this point. Yeah, I, I noticed that, uh, you know, you have uh, at, at one point in time during the night went out there and said that the slander was warranted. 
And I, I think that's a big step. I'm going to pat you on the back a little bit. You're sophisticated tonight. You're drinking the wine. You know what's going on um, with, with your guy, Lurie. But I just – I feel like it would be – it would be – a missed opportunity to sit there and say that uh, you yourself have been the biggest Lurie supporter of, of all time. I think you are the president of that fan club and you've got to sit there and, and, and take your wins when you get them, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the Lurie win because before the game uh, had started, I think he was one of the White Sox players that was catching the most heat for being in the lineup. So I, I need you to take a little victory lap for the first time tonight here on that one. Yeah, no, I definitely will. And, you know, you, you see it on Twitter, uh, the pictures of me and Buzz uh, with, with the kind of jubilation faces. Uh, they, those come out and then uh, you got the, you know, you posted the gift today. That was good to see first time in a while. So might as well a special occasion for that uh, with me holding up the jersey back in 2019 uh, down in the 149 there. So uh, good to see those come out. Yeah, I will take a little bit of that. And I need to bring my pals along with me. Uh, and that is Sockside Pride and Billy Ruffeld uh, here on Tap Contributor. Uh, both those guys have been Lurie Rider dies with me too. And there are several others out there uh, who also support, but those are three of the biggest I know. And we usually have a little kind of, uh, you know, collaboration uh, party whenever something goes well for Lurie. So this would only be the start of his day though, Tony, because there's stuff to get to. Uh, these are just, you know, two of his first five RBIs on the day in this double header. So uh, let's move on from this one. Uh, kind of wrapping this one up. Like I mentioned, Rodon's final line, the six innings, 12 strikeouts. Uh, excellent to see only two hits in the one run. Uh, Liam Hendricks, nice to see him come into a game and shut it down in order. No bullshit. No problems no home runs to center field uh that felt good tony yeah uh just man i tweeted it out before the game started i i didn't really give a shit about the lineup we needed to win two games today um obviously you come out in this first game you get an absolutely awesome performance from a starter who has been your ace all year uh and you found ways to win a ball game where you didn't have your best lineup out there johnny um, and I think that that's what people were a little bit upset about on, on Twitter.com um, is the fact that, you know, we all want to see the best lineup out there every single time. You got guys like Larry Garcia in the lineup who I think both you and I can agree are, you know, everyday starters. But they can get the job done in certain situations. And you find that bottom of the order turning it over. You get a little bit of uh, some contact hitting, not your conventional ways to win ball games. But I think overall, Johnny, if we're if we're looking at game one as a whole, this is one of those games where you sit there and say, like, all right, we we took that one rather than like we absolutely deserve to win it. And and I like that about this team right here because we've we've been on the flip side of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in 2019, this game is probably a loss. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Um, You know, obviously before in those years there too. Uh, But I I know what you're saying, the kind of the gist of it. Yeah, uh, you did did kind of take it. And you got a little help uh, with Miguel Cabrera. And this is the first time we're on the air, so I need to bring that up too. Yeah. Uh, Because Miguel Cabrera scores, excuse me, he has the little bobble that allows uh, Jake Lamb to score to put the White Sox first run of the ball game on the board. And obviously that would lead then to a longer inning there. And because they probably could have turned two for being honest with you with a competent mm-hmm. uh, first baseman there and knew what he was doing. Um, but then 
you know, he bobbles this thing and that allows the run to score. But earlier, it was what, yesterday, um, the tweet came out from Slavko Bekovic uh, from NBC Sports Chicago. And he had said that, you know, uh, Miggy was bad mouthing uh, all the White Sox infield, especially Nick Madrigal, for yep. insinuating that they may be stealing signs uh, in the series opener here, Tony. And uh, I just wanted to just speak on this really quick. And I just have a take on it. If if I'm a you know pitcher for a team, the White Sox in this case, and there is any suspicion, not even confirmed or not, if there's any suspicion of the other team possibly passing those signs and taking them, I don't care if AJ Hinch is a matter. I don't care if you're playing a, a, a excuse me a um, exhibition game against your taxi squad. If there's even suspicion of someone stealing signs, I would totally welcome my middle infielders coming to me doing a little meeting on the mound and saying, Hey, these guys are doing it. Let's switch it up. Yada, 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 whatever. So whatever Miggy got so offended about, I wasn't there on the field. I didn't hear the exchange between him. I didn't hear what Nick Madrigal said. I didn't hear what uh, Miguel Cabrera said back to him, but that's just uh, being a good teammate, uh, Nick Madrigal in my point of view. And I think Miguel Cabrera is just big mad because he thinks there's some sort of stigma around them because AJ Hinch is their manager. Like I said, that's totally irrelevant to me. I don't give a fuck who your manager is. I want my middle infielders looking out for me if I'm pitcher. Yeah, no, I, I I've been in that situation too before, Johnny. I mean, we've we've played the game. Um, you you know that that's that's common in, in baseball. Like, be be that teammate, be Nick Magical in that situation, and and raise that uh, concern because you you want your your pitcher and catcher on the same page. You you want to know uh, that they have uh, the, the the benefit of the doubt there if they're given signs. Uh, to not have that stolen. So whether or not it was actually happening, um, I think that that's just a good teammate play like, that you just brought up there. Hey, maybe we just go need to switch this up and and, and have a little meeting, talk about it, and go from there. The only reason that I think uh, that Miguel Cabrera even brings that up to the media is if he was caught in the act doing something. And so that raises more concern to me. <laughs> incriminating because- himself. Yes, he's yeah. incriminating himself with this because why even why even bring that up? Why why does that need to be a story here? I think that that's what's been lost in the whole so, thing is that like why do you even need to bring that up to the media? And I, and I do and think he was prompted by it. I, I do think he was prompted a little bit, Tony. I had to cut you off there though. Uh, but I did think they asked because you know the reporters saw a, a little kind of like back and forth there, so they kind of asked what that was about. And obviously he was very blunt and forthcoming with it. So you do you do what you got to do, Miggy. But at the same time, he says, "Oh well, it's like part of the game or like some shit." Like okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, every, but, team's trying, every team's trying to get a competitive advantage, but you know what else is part of the game? Adjusting to yeah. any potential threats. Like come but, on, I mean to. To me, this was like watching my my fucking five year old lie to my face. Like the only <laughs> the only reason that you come out there and you get big mad like that is when you're trying to deflect. Yeah. You know, like you have to come out and and say that you know, like ah, you know, we're not for that. Fuck that shit. All that all that stuff. Like the only reason that you're taking that hard of a stance is because you're personally offended by something that you've done wrong at that point in time. So I, I think that Miguel Cabrera should have just shut his fucking mouth and and stayed the course he could have just said yeah we were talking about something we had a disagreement and so forth the you don't drag that type of stuff out there unless obviously something was going on that's just my opinion on it um either way i I think it made uh that win and every time he he struck out tonight all sweeter yeah all right well enjoy the plane ride wherever you're going back to uh after this miggy and you can kind of think about that uh with that 
11-0 ass whipping, which we were just about to get to here, Tony. Um, so uh, wrapping up game one, uh, like we mentioned, three to one win. Rodon strong six. Hendricks locks it down. Uh, White Sox do enough. Larry Garcia with the game winning hit with that two RBI single uh, in the bottom of the fifth there. So, um, all right, uh, let's move on to game two. And this was an absolute beat down. This is where the title of this episode come fr- comes from. White Sox run train on Detroit. That is exactly what they did in game two here. Taking advantage, sure, of a little injury issues with the Detroit pitching staff but hey putting up 11 runs uh double digits are cool and tough tony love to see that uh love to see a few long balls in this one too uh because the white Sox, when they hit home runs they're likely going to do better than when they don't hit home runs so i love to see that and other than that we, we got a complete game you know granted seven innings but still shout out from dylan cease here uh let's drop the hammer right on this game tony just like dylan cease did the night man dylan cease dude like i've been waiting for this performance from dylan cease for what feels like for fucking ever. Um, you know, I've, I've always wanted him to get through the first two innings and he did that and more tonight. Uh, curveball was just sexy as it always can be Johnny um, from Dylan Cease. He was able to get the outs. He was able to miss bats tonight. He was everything that you look for uh, when you think about Dylan Cease being pretty much near his ceiling right there. Um, when it comes to a start, everything was really working for him. Um, you know, it, it was it was close to as dominant of a performance that you could see out of a starting pitcher um, that didn't go a complete nine innings um, in a complete game there. Uh, there. There is zero that you can complain about with his start tonight. So what I really like, too, is some improvements in specific areas and something that we've hammered home multiple times. You know, I made the sarcastic tweet from Sox on tap his last start about, you know, the Dylan sees 300 pitch first inning, never change anything ever. Well, um, yeah, sure. Yeah, you got run up. Not too, too much. Not, not egregious. But there was still a little bit because the Tigers did notch two singles in the first inning off of Dylan sees. But him being able to shut the door and not have any damage uh, come about those, and you know, using the strikeout to get out of that. I think, one, that's a big step for him confidence wise and second shows the stuff was working very well tonight too um and and then the other thing too is he found a groove tony because he retired 17 consecutive batters to end the game that is cool and tough and that's how you shut down a team especially after your team uh just had an offensive explosion in the middle innings yeah and this is something that i said uh around the road on no hitter um and a few other times this season when this offense puts up runs and it allows pitchers to pitch with leads it, it is just so dangerous for this team because the starting rotation has that type of talent. Everybody up and down one through five can go seven, eight innings with a five run lead. Uh, it just makes it that much easier for these guys. And it becomes that much less taxing on the bullpen and games like this, especially you stack a, dub, a double header together. You only had to go to Liam Hendricks for one inning out of the course of a double header not many ball clubs are going to be able to do that. Even in these seven inning games, Johnny, that's just really impressive stuff. And you got that out of arguably going into this season, your four and five guys in Carlos Rodon and Dylan Cease. You want to go look at White Sox teams in the past. Uh, you look at their four and five starters. You're going into 14 innings worth of baseball and you're hoping and praying that you can get through, you know, four or five innings with your starter and, and piece together the, the remaining three of those ball games with, with bullpen pieces. And that's taxing. You want to go back a couple of years and put those in nine inning games. And you're not even close uh, to anything that looks like a, a winning recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this just speaks volumes to the depth that they have in the starting rotation that they haven't before. And, you know, I'm just, I'm so thankful right now 
uh, that you've got this back end of the rotation working. You've got guys like Lance Lynn who are going to be coming back here. You get Lucas Giolito straightened out, and you know some of the bullpen woes that we were talking about in early April are are, are going to be a thing of the past. And I think that that's just going to you know lend itself well to the remainder of this season. Well said. I think you hit on all the pertinent points there uh, when you're talking about overall uh, outlook for the pitching staff here. Um, so I don't need to double down on that too much. My last comment on Cease, and then we do need to get to offense because there was a lot of it. My last comment on Cease, thank you to Corey from YouTube for the comment here. Cease's curve is unhittable when he's in rhythm. Yes, uh, socks on tap rule number 84 is drop the hammer. Nice picture of Dylan Cease with the fucking elbow way cocked back and, uh, you know, that's yeah the seat curveball was on tonight and it's great to see because tony the slider is such a common pitch and it's very very, i mean very well should be because it's deceptive you can make it look like a fastball all that but so many guys throw it it's you know it's kind of rarity to have it a good old uncle charlie uh, in your arsenal. I, I love, you know, you know me, I'm the, if I go NL, I'm the Cardinals guy. So I really like watching Adam Wainwright. He's got that nasty fuck hammer of a curveball. Dylan Cease has it too. And when it's on, yes, uh, it's unhittable. So uh, I love to see that out in full force. I just want to point out for one, one second here that uh, the listeners who, who tune in via podcast, this is one reason why you want to tune into the live show is you get Johnny's elbow out there uh, trying to show you, how uh, how Dylan like, Cease just like drops that hammer right there. So you get you get the actual live feed uh, if you do tune into the live show. That, that's it. That's good stuff there, Johnny. We'll we'll try and do more enactments uh, of player movements on the show for those who <laughs> tune in live. Uh, as we go down here, I'm sure oh, we can just, just just wait till Yaz uh, gets hot. I'm gonna be doing bat drops all over the the office here, and you're not even gonna be able to get me in front of the mic for like five seconds. Yeah, I mean, we need to bring in props or something here yeah. too. You, know, you can get the <laughs> bat, you know. And I've got a pool table behind me, but I mean, everything else, like I got some open space here. We can we can reenact some stuff. We could get creative with it. But one more reason to tune into the live show here with the live socks on tap post game, uh, Johnny. I I, I really loved. His his curveball tonight it looked absolutely phenomenal and you're you're absolutely correct with the socks on tap rule right there uh, drop the hammer he 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 had that thing working tonight and I really liked the way he used it on an 0-2 count to Miguel Cabrera didn't end up getting him but I mean that's some show me shit right there mm-hmm. uh, if you're gonna drop a, a hammer that just winds up in the dirt on an 0-2 count say come chase me. Um, I, I love that because you're working ahead. He he had he had so many favorable counts tonight. Uh, this was just a really impressive start from Dylan Cease, and that's what you want to see going forward from this guy because there's so many question marks with this game right now. Still, um, these are these are the starts where you start to see that that flash in the pan type stuff. I hope he can continue to harness it and, and move forward with it. So if it were up to me, I would like that every game be a nine inning and there's no extra innings rule bullshit. But if there's something that the White Sox take advantage of from these seven inning games, it's like you said, first of all, conservation of the bullpen. That is big, too, especially going into a series against another divisional opponent in the Cleveland Indians this weekend. But then you can stack some confidence builders for guys like Dylan Cease. Who, if it's a nine inning game, let's be honest, he's no Lance Lynn. He ain't going the full distance here. Nine. Uh, I, I highly doubt it tonight. Um, that, that's just, you know, he's a little bit different. He, he kind of uses a few more pitches. We've seen the command slip and granted it, it was much improved tonight, but overall you, you would not expect nine 
solid, complete game out of Dylan Cease. You'd maybe get him into the eighth start of that, and then you go to like your bummer Hendricks combination there. So I, I think confidence builder is a big takeaway here from uh, you know playing seven inning games in this doubleheader. Tony, we talked so much about the pitching here, and the highlight of the game is the fucking offense. I know Dylan oh, Cease yeah. is a big story, and that's great, but hey, 11 runs, that can't be understated. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, in the bottom of the second, Yasmani Grandal leads off at the walk. Vaughn doubles, and then this is where the injury trouble that I mentioned earlier came into play with the Detroit pitching staff. Boyd has to injure. You tweak something. Uh, has to come out. So you got cold guys uh, warming up in the bullpen, having to get ready quick. Uh, Fulmer enters the game. Larry Garcia right back at it. RBI bloop single just gets over the second baseman. 1-0. Sox are on the board. Madrigal, uh, the RBI single of his own, makes it 2-0. Uh, and after a couple of outs there with Anderson and Robert, uh, Moncada walks. And then Abreu comes through. Two RBI single. Good to see Pito get going. Uh, Mercedes a ground out to end the inning here. But good start like uh, our guy Sal tweeted at us. Then uh, crooked numbers are cool and tough. That's what they did early on here. And this is just in the bottom of the second. Love crooked numbers, Johnny. I don't really have much more to say than that. I mean, just the ability to put up multiple runs in an inning is so important for any baseball team. And the hitting with the runners in scoring position thing that the Sox have struggled with early on this season, uh, I expect that to pick up a little bit. But, you know, Johnny, just the the importance of scoring runs early. I think I I talked about it a little bit during the pitching side, so I don't want to hammer too much of this home. But, man – just you, you have to be able to hit with runners in scoring position. You have to be able to put up multiple runs in an inning in order to win most of your ball games. Sox were able to do that tonight. That was the recipe for success. Recipe for success, absolutely, Tony. Um, I love run support early, and they would not be done uh, because in the bottom of the fifth, um, we got Grandal leading it off with a walk again. So don't say yes, don't do anything, people. Um, but then uh, Vaughn doubles. Uh, Vaughn with a three-hit night quietly. We'll talk about that in a little bit here, Tony. But my guy, Larry Garcia, coming through. Uh, we, we got another two RBI single. This makes it five RBIs on the night for Larry Garcia. That makes it 6-0 good guys at the time. Uh, Anderson, rough night for him, so he strikes out. But then Luis Robert uh, corrects his earlier mistake, makes uh, gets an RBI single, put it 7-0 socks, and then a couple of bombs, Tony. Yoan's barely got out, but it was a three-run homer, so definitely the more productive one. As Steve Stone said, that made it 10-0. We're in the double digits, and then Yerman Mercedes puts the exclamation point on the game, uh, helping Roger Bosser to arrange some shrubbery uh, up in Jim Tomey land up there. Yeah, dude, I don't even know which one I want to start with here. The fact that uh, Yohan Moncada is able to put that one out of the ballpark really separated this game. I mean, this one was already over. Obviously, uh, Dylan Cease had things on cruise control at this point in time. But the the ability for Yohan Moncada to get hot is really, really important for this offense. And even if he's just hitting home runs that are barely getting over the fence, that's going to be good for his game. Because if he if he just slightly misses on that, you're talking about a double. Uh, I love when he's hitting the gaps, especially from the left side. It's just such a pretty swing. He's got that shit down. Um, and then Yerman Mercedes, dude, like this man's a monster. He is the DH that we've been waiting for for a long time. He came out of nowhere. I don't think there's anybody that that really had him uh, pegged to be doing what he's doing right now for this White Sox offense. He is the catalyst of the whole entire thing. Um, he's hitting for for on base percentage. He's 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 doing it with the power. He's just doing everything at the plate right now. He is as hot as anybody's ever been in baseball. Um, you know, he just continues to drive in runs, and 
whether or not there's runners on base or he's, he's doing it via the long ball, he is just just scary in the middle of this lineup. He's just fucking scary for everybody. Uh, and that's why I think people were so upset with the first lineup in this game or in this doubleheader uh, today is because you didn't have him in there. He's, he's a mm-hmm. big name, Johnny. He's become a big name in White Sox baseball. Yeah, and I think that's it's a legitimate concern too, because I know you, you and I have had our fun and we we've had our Tony Larusa defense moments, but we've also kind of reamed for shit that we don't agree with and whatnot. But we we could also take a step back, I think, and I do think that was a legitimate concern though, and that one that I think you and I would both share, uh, because like you had said, he's becoming a mainstay on this team, and it's just you want the power, you want the one swing changes the game ability just in there, and how the hell is he going to do that if he's not in? So and it's like you know we've seen some questionable pinch hit or no pinch hit uh scenarios so far this season but i think you're gonna get that with any manager it's like you know hindsight can be 2020 in some of those situations but either way uh if he's just not in the lineup you don't have that potential up there so i would totally agree there uh but i mean this this guy just smashes dude uh, he just hits monster bombs and i think like you had said with not many people expecting it i think some people who were high on him and some people who are really you know a little more tuned into the prospects than your average fan is they were probably clamoring for it and being like, Hey, I know the power potential is there. Like he could definitely hit us some occasional bombs. I think that was it, but I don't think they could be not like, at predict- this level. They, they couldn't, be, level. They, they couldn't be predicting him to one, be as consistent and two, be as influential as he is. And it's like a weird way to say it, but it, it, it gets the boys going in the dugout. The boys were buzzing tonight, even though that made it 11. Oh, I mean, that's an extra confidence swag that I'm glad he hit that because that's going to carry a little bit extra sort of swagger into the weekend against a better uh, quality opponent. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree, Johnny. And some of that stuff's intangible. So you can't measure it on a spreadsheet. Stat Colt can't account for it. So it's not going to be measured that yeah. way. But that's how you get these folklore guys like Yerman Mercedes who come out of nowhere, who become fan favorites because they do those things. They get the job done. Even if it's a garbage time monster bomb that, that goes out to the deepest part of the ballpark when you're already up by 10 runs, that stuff still puts life into a ball club. And so that's what MVP-type players and you get MVP-type shit out of them do consistently. And, you know, the hits keep just keep racking up for your mid-Mercedes. Um, I, I don't think the level of what he's hitting at right now is sustainable, but then again, I don't know if Yerman Mercedes is the greatest fucking hitter of all time, Johnny. I'm yeah. I'm I'm drinking the Budweiser Kool Aid right now. Yerman Mercedes it has been the best White Sox hitter in his debut of what might be all time right here. Well, um, you saw the stats from Chris Kampka the yep. other day. Yep. Like. And- Sorry, that, that's all you need to go to. It's a historic pace that he's on right now, and it'll just be interesting. I, I don't think it's keeping up at that same toward pace, but I think we have found the answer, and I think uh, where we are right now is a good enough sample size to answer that and, and say yes, that he should be in the lineup every day, and yes, he is your DH, as at least for the time being. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a legitimate answer to that. Um, another comment I had when you're talking about like, you know, like the stats immeasurable, whatever it is, we'll make up our own here. Uh, plus five for X swag going into the weekend series. Uh, thanks to that. Your Mercedes pimp job to center field uh, yes. into the brushes. So that, that's what we're, we're going to call it. Expected swag uh, plus five for the white Sox going in uh, to that weekend series against Cleveland, which we will preview in a little bit here, but two guys that can't be overlooked because 
you know me. I, I will put out some takes, and I'll be harsh on some people. And Nick Hostetler has gotten a lot of my ire, especially to you personally, um, and the whole White Sox player development staff, the whole drafting process. We have that old screenshot uh, from last year's draft of you know the lowest war of any MLB team among position players since whatever 2010 or whatever the fuck it is, whenever that figure was. Two guys that were recent draft picks, Nick Madrigal, Andrew Vaughn, both three hit nights. We were kind of used to this from Nick Madrigal because that's what he does. But, hey, Andrew Vaughn breaking out of the shell. I know the highlights are going to go to a little bit of Larry Garcia for the little resurgence of the five RBI day and obviously with Yoan for the three-run blast. And uh, Mercedes just with the mammoth shot that he hit. But I don't think Andrew Vaughn's day should be overlooked. Elaborate on the former Cal Golden Bear a little bit here. Oh, man, Andrew Vaughn was actually one of my most uh, watched players tonight with a critical eye because his swing is starting to look absolutely great. When you see uh, a player hitting gaps like that, just the the even swing, uh, hitting line drives, um, you know, to gaps, man, that 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 is a recipe for success. Again, that's my favorite term, recipe for success. Um, he just looks comfortable at the plate. He continues to improve. Um, I'm waiting for that long ball. I think it's coming this weekend, Johnny. Just the way he was driving the ball today, even on his swings and misses, you saw that even playing. He wasn't pulling his head up. He's not He's not searching for anything. He's seeing the ball well at the plate right now. Uh, he looks absolutely impressive. I was texting again with our guy, Sean Roberts, tonight about how impressive he looks at the plate. There's just a level of confidence that starts to build when you can hit the way he did there, especially in game two. I know that that last at-bat wasn't pretty, uh, but, man, Andrew Vaughn is starting to turn it on. For a guy that Tony La Russa said was not a quote-unquote uh, mainstay in the lineup, he's played a really good left field for, for what you would expect out of somebody. I think I'm, I'm – I'm Better less- than Eloy. I'm less appalled than than what I have to say about Eli. That's a that's a great point right there. Um, and then the the bat just looks solid. So he looks like a good ball player. I want to see that power start to click though, and I think it's coming. Yeah, I would agree too. Like you'd said, that double that he hit early on, it looked like you know uh, when you show the uh, zoomed in view, like you said, kind of the even uh, you know plain swing uh, with him and making contact right on the sweet spot there. Um, obviously, we'll take the double absolutely, but I think that uh, is what gives me the most kind of um, uh, sort of inclination that this is going to be a long ball, uh, a leaving guaranteed rate, and we're having some fireworks. Would not be surprised to see it during one of these games against the Cleveland Indians this weekend here. It's so um, uh, any other final game notes from this? Obviously, Cease, we touched on him. Uh, nice, only three hit performance, and uh, most of those are early. Like we said, mowed down the last 17 consecutively to end this one here. We talked about Vaughn and Madrigal, three hit nights, um, and obviously the long balls that were had along the way. Um, uh, other than that, I do want to say uh, nice to see Jose Abreu come through uh, with the two-run uh, RBI single there because I believe, yeah, that was with two outs, and that was two of your other big boppers that you expect mm-hmm. uh, a production from uh, Luis Robert flew out and then my, excuse me, my kind of walked after that, but Anderson struck out before Robert. So that's what that's, you know, you got two outs there, clutch situation, uh, your MVP delivers in that spot. So I did want to give a little uh, props to MVP though. Uh, we'll still continue those chants as soon as I get back out to the ballpark the next time, because I love it. Um, always fun to hear those uh, with him. So any other final thoughts from you before this one, before we look ahead to the weekend? Yeah. Final thoughts. Um, you know, I, I, I like that you touched on uh, Jose Abreu there. Uh, just another catalyst in this offense, obviously MVP of the league last year. 
Uh, but Tim Anderson didn't look good at the plate today. Tim Anderson looked a little bit lost. If there's one guy I was concerned about in the lineup today, it was him. Uh, obviously, everybody's going to have their off days. Uh, but that just goes to show you how deep this White Sox lineup is and can be um, when you can survive your straw that stirs the drink, Tim Anderson, having a bad day at the plate, being able to score 11 runs um, in that same ball game. Not a lot of ball clubs can do that. So that's a good thing to look forward to um, is that the White Sox offense does have enough guys that can get you through that Timmy slump. Um, other than that, Johnny, just a great offensive performance today, a great pitching performance day. It was a banner day to be a White Sox fan. White Sox ran a train on Detroit. Uh, that goes back to the title yeah. of this episode, so I think that encapsulates it. Um, my last one, though, I do want to mention my guy. I couldn't get out of here without uh, a, another Lurie Garcia appreciation moment here. Um, five RBIs today, a nice little breakout for Lurie Legend, who has struggled mightily to begin the season. I won't deny that. Like I said, all the criticism that came up to this point has been warranted, but a point that the manager, Hall of Fame baseball person, Tony LaRusso made in between the games because they did still do media availability between there. And then obviously we had a little rain delay to digest this a bit. Um, but Larry Garcia was back in the lineup for game two. And uh, some people were probably not too happy about that. But the point that Tony LaRusso made was I think Lurie needs to be in a little bit more consistently to get himself going. And once he does, he can be a contributor on this team. And I agree wholeheartedly with our Hall of Fame baseball person manager there. Uh, some people might not like it. Uh, you might just make your Tony old Tony drunk jokes. Go ahead, do that if you want. But uh, I think you saw it in the results tonight. I mean, the the, the stats speak for themselves uh, over the two games. And sure, one of them was a little bloop single, but hey, there was some solid contact right back up the middle to drive in a pair of runs in, in a crucial juncture uh, at multiple times uh, during this doubleheader today. So, uh, Lurie Legend, baby, that's my final thought for this one. Johnny, I love when you go to bat for Lurie because Lurie goes to bat for you. Um, you know, just the, the absolute... Uh, you know, 4D chess that Tony LaRusso is playing with this fan base right now is incredible, Johnny. I absolutely love it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going way too far into this, but uh, you too know, far down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I'm, too, I'm going too far down the rabbit hole. We could talk about that more on a, on like a Sunday fun day episode yeah. or something. But you know, I, I, there, there were people who were calling for Tony LaRusso to be fired this morning. Um, I'm gonna go out there and say like, I don't give a shit. Right now, what the lineup looks like, just win baseball games because every time we complain about something uh, like a lineup and having Lurie Garcia or guys like that in, in the lineup, um, you know, just it seems to come back and bite you in the ass. And that's just those are good White Sox problems to have. We've had some really, really bad lineups before. We've complained about them. Mm -hmm. And normally those teams lost. Now these teams are finding ways to win those ball games uh, when the lineup isn't exactly what you like. Maybe it's time to take one little step back, Johnny, and just say like this roster is built a little bit better than it was before. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And I, I think, you know, just kind of summarizing my point here, and this might not be the most perfect analogy, but, um, you know, I know in baseball because it's different. And you're when you're a role player, expect to step up and when your name is called off the bench, you got to come up and produce and all that. People love you if you're that guy who is, you know, kind of the 10th guy, so to say, uh, and you come up and you, you know, produce in that role. Um, but you try go, going and doing whatever it is you do for a living. Go and try only doing that two times a week. 
and be yeah. expected to perform at top performance every time and have performance reviews coming back to you every single day. Um, whenever you do get a chance and, you know, say you weren't up to your, your best stuff there. Um, and just imagine how you'd feel about that. Not saying that you shouldn't, and we were all open to criticize this team and we've done it plenty of times, but that's kind of the situation that I look at with Lurie. So uh, I just wanted to make that evident here uh, yeah. before we get into the game preview. So, no, that's, that's fair. And I'll touch one last little point on this, Johnny is, um, we, we may not like it as fans. It, it might look a little bit frustrating to you to see some of that stuff. I'm going to be guilty of it too. I'm going to look at that lineup. Like we saw in game one today and go like, ah, that's, that is absolutely not the best lineup. You don't feel um, like it's going to be a yeah, winner. You don't, right? you, don't, you don't feel like it's going to be a winner. You, you, and, and that's what a lot of it is, is what, as, as a fan, you're sitting there and you're playing armchair coach, armchair manager, armchair GM. And what you want to see on the field isn't exactly what you're going to get. But I, I feel like just me personally, there's a little bit difference in what we have right now on the roster. And I'm not the biggest, like this roster is not constructed to the way that I want it to be either. Um, but I also feel like we have a, a roster that is capable of winning games. When you've got a guy on the mound in game one, like Carlos Rodon, who can who can go you know six seven innings strong um, and shut a team down if you get if you get a little bit of offense um, you can win that ball game same thing in in game two with Dylan Cease um, if you get a little bit of offense you can win there's probably a method to Tony Larusa's madness we might not all like it um, but at the same point in time I think at least before the calendar flips to May even June. Um, you know, calling for the manager's head is just a little bit out of touch. Yep. No, I, I would agree with you there. So uh, I think that's a good point to wrap this whole thing up on. Once again, in the second game of this doubleheader, White Sox eviscerate the Detroit Tigers 11 to nothing. Uh, that rounds out the series. White Sox take it two to one overall. Uh, Detroit sucks. Final thought on that. Let's move on to another divisional foe in the Cleveland Indians because they'll be coming to town once again here on Friday. Um, and we've got a uh, guy that we've seen before and who's given us trouble so far. Uh, it'll be Shane Bieber on the mound for those Cleveland Indians. Indians Dallas Keuchel takes the bump for the White Sox here uh, once again Friday April 30th 7 10 p.m. start on NBC Sports Chicago um, Tony initial thoughts heading into this game Bieber's a tough task Bieber's a tough task man we saw the uh, the Lucas Giolito Shane Bieber uh, pitching duel uh, earlier on this season I think this is just going to be a good test for Dallas Keuchel uh, can you get through this one? I think the Cleveland Indians are going to prove to be the uh, nemesis and, and rival for this White Sox team uh, throughout this 2021 season. Uh, we already have some some energy between these two teams. Obviously, you had the Adam Eaton experience out there, a little bit of bad blood. Um, you've had the, uh, the Carlos Rodon no-hitter against these guys. Um, that should have been a perfect game. There, there's some storylines between these two teams. Um, I want to see Dallas Keuchel come out there and show you why you should fear the beard on Friday night. 
Yep, I want to see a lot of ground balls. I think that's what I'm looking for from Dallas Keuchel. Should be able to elicit outside of the Jose Ramirez and uh, Fran Mill Reyes uh, in this order. And that's one thing I want to just talk about with the Cleveland Indians batting order. Um, you know, I've given a lot of flack in the past to a guy like Fran Mill Reyes because I said if you're seven foot eight, you should be able to just hit the ball out of the ballpark every time. Um, he is uh, picking it up lately, and he had a nice series against the Twins most recently uh, that the Indians had before they're coming here to Chicago to play the White Sox. So I uh, will give a little bit of props to Fran Mill Reyes, but then with that said, I do hope Dallas Keuchel shuts him down and makes him roll over like three of them, uh, and he's just getting crowd ball outs uh, easily out of them. Jose Ramirez is who you got to watch out for in this lineup, man. Uh, he We got lucky in that he didn't do his damage until the last game of that four-game set that we played the first time the Cleveland Indians came to Chicago. So um, be wary of their top weapon in Jose Ramirez because people forget uh, that, yeah, Lindor was me, the flashier name or whatever. But I think uh, Jose Ramirez is a little bit more consistent contributor for them than uh, Francisco Lindor ever was. And that's weird to say. Uh, and, you, you know, the numbers probably don't completely back me up there when you're talking about, you know, a guy, switch hitter, middle of the order consistently up there in the MVP voting. That's what you get and what you got to look out for when you're facing these Cleveland Indians. Two players scare me in the AL Central. Well, I should say three. Uh, Nelson Cruz, number one. Number two, Jose Ramirez. And number three, Max Kepler. Um, Jose Ramirez, obviously, uh, is, like you said, a guy that's up there with MVP votes every single season. Uh, You can shut him down you can have a very successful series. Uh, The White Sox have been able to do that pretty much thus far. Um, I would expect that he is the guy that's handled with the most caution uh, through this next series here. But, um, you know, if I'm looking at it overall, Johnny, Friday night's going to be your toughest task. Shane Bieber is no slouch. Uh, This one's going to take a little bit of grit. It's going to take a little bit of of Adam Eaton if we're going to go – pick to click early on here. Uh, I think Adam Meaton is, is your kind of guy that you, you're going to need to ride this one out against Bieber in order to get a win on Friday night. Uh, I'm going straight stats off of this one for my pick to click, Tony, and that's Jose Abreu, the guy at the top, 348 career batting average against Shane Bieber in 23 at-bats, three home runs, four RBIs. Uh, I think that RBI single in crutch, excuse me, clutch time uh, did him well confidence wise tonight. Uh, and I think he carries that over and he could be one of the few because you're, you're not going to get too, too many chances off of uh, Shane Bieber, but Hey, if Jose Braves are open a double of the gap or taking one out of the ballpark, even if it barely gets out, I will take it. And that may be how you have to beat the Cleveland Indians when Shane Bieber is on the mound. Yeah. I'm going to actually go. Uh, and uh, if, if there's a prop bet out there, uh, Nick Madrigal over under two hits, I think I think a Nick Madrigal over two hits, or two or two or more would hit on this one as well. Um, they're not going to be they're not going to be sexy, but if there's a guy that uh, you know Shane Bieber misses a lot of bats, if there's a guy who's not going to uh, let that happen to him, I think that might be Nick Madrigal too. So he might be a catalyst there. Not going to go pick to click with Nick Madrigal, but I think he could be a little uh, a little bit of the uh, the catalyst and win here if the Sox are able to get one on Friday night. Well, on tap bets action here at Sox on tap. Make sure you're going and following at on tap bets on Twitter, uh, where all the on tap sports that gambling content is. So, uh, Tony, I don't got too much uh, more on this one, but hey, uh, it's going to be you know weekend series at the rate uh, should be a good time. Unfortunately, I don't have any plans to get out to the ballpark as of right now. Hoping to pick up some maybe single game Sunday tickets. Uh, we got NFL draft going on, so a little busy time over on on tap sports 
Land. Uh, I will be kind of facilitating uh, some of the draft articles coming through there. So if you are football fan, Bears fan, big news tonight, obviously. Uh, go and check out ontapsportsnet.com in our Bears tab there. Uh, there will be plenty rolling through there. Um, I'll kind of be pumping it through from an editorial side. So that's what I'll be doing. Hopefully I can get out Sunday. Uh, I am excited, though, because I believe Lance Lynn is uh, slated to start Saturday's game. So I'll be watching that one very intently uh, as I'm editing these draft articles that come through, Tone. <laughs> I cannot wait for the return of Lance Lynn. I'm expecting big things, Johnny. Uh, I think we can get at least two out of three in this series. I'd like to continue another win streak. Obviously, you pick up two today. Um, Not a fan of the seven-inning game, but it's played to the White Sox favor thus far. Uh, Let's go get get two more in a row. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's shut Shane Bieber down. Uh, let's go out there and let's celebrate a Lance Lynn victory. Victory beers taste better, Johnny, and especially on a nice weekend in Chicago that we're expected to have. Victory beers, victory wine. I'll be right back on the beers uh, for this weekend here. But like I said, you know, a little Italian food. Got to have the wine tonight. So I uh, already finished that off. Um, Fancy you know, shit. Good, good. Good, fancy good, shit. Yeah, fancy shit here on Socks on Tap. Uh, good vibes, though. Rolling into the weekend, like to see it. Uh, I, I would predict two of three as well. Unfortunately, I do think that lone loss is coming tomorrow night just because Shane Bieber is so dominant. But uh, once again, I love being wrong. And this goes back to the very beginning, what we were talking about with Carlos Rodon. You'd put out that tweet. I absolutely love being wrong. Continue to make me look like a big, dumb idiot. So White Sox for my prediction here. I'm saying you're losing the series opener and then taking the next two. Make me look like a big, dumb idiot and just sweep the whole damn thing. And let's just not fucking look back on this division hey don't look back is one of my favorite songs i was pumping some boston earlier tonight johnny um don't look back let's go let's don't, let's let's go don't look back to the long t- you know it's a great song it's been such a long time uh you know i was at the rate you know tony i just got from ballpark stance experience i, I was at the rate got in bought a beer uh, my dad got a polish uh we, we were there ready to go and take in a game last night and uh you know uh, they call it at 705 ish uh, around that time frame, I hear Gene Honda's voice coming through the speakers. That's how I found out about it. Went and looked at the White Sox Twitter page, got the official uh, update from that. So I'm disappointed. I hope I can get back out on Sunday. You got any plans to get the ballpark this weekend? You know, Johnny, uh, if there is a game that I will attend, it might be Sunday. And if it if 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 it the plans align uh the way i might want them to maybe it's you and i taking in the sunday ball game we'll see what happens yeah well sunday fun day and then we could always uh you know come back to the garage and do a little uh episode after that so you never know what the weekend has in store but once again uh nfl draft going on this weekend too so that kind of leads into my housekeeping here make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your chicago sports literature and podcasting needs i say chicago emphasize there all chicago obviously we're the white Sox coverage unit here at Sox on tap we got bears on tap we got cubs on tap we got bulls on tap we got the four there's podcast covering the Hawks. We got a million other things like I mentioned on tap bets earlier. Uh, all that good stuff there on tapsportsnet.com. Go check it out. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen. It's a big help. So we'd really appreciate it. And when you're going and shopping for your White Sox gear, make sure you're doing it at Grandstand. Uh, they are located just near the ballpark there. I believe it's 35th and Wallace is the intersection of that store there. Um, otherwise, you can go and shop virtually online at Grandstand Socks and follow them on social media at Grandstand Socks. So, uh, Tony, final, final thought. Uh, I know we got a kind of one before, uh, you know, we let in the second game, but final, final thoughts uh, from this one, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Hey, man, it always sucks saying goodbye, doesn't it, Johnny? Uh, especially when you're talking about White Sox winners. We could do this all night. Uh, but uh, for the sake of everybody, the only thing I have to say is White Sox forever. Yeah, White, White Sox forever. Detroit sucks. Uh, that's about all we've got here. Uh, once again, go to ontapsportsnet.com. That's my final line. White Sox 
forever.